Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you for joining us here on Health Professional Radio. In this segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Firis Zar. He's joining us here as an interventional cardiologist and co-director of the Complex Heart Valve Program at Oregon Health and Science University. He also serves as director of interventional cardiology. He's going to talk about the findings from the Intrepid study. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Zar. Oh, good morning, and uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor and privilege to talk to all of you. I did, of course, mention that you're joining us here from OHSU. I mentioned a couple of your positions there. Tell us a bit about yourself and um, your area of expertise. Yeah, so I'm an uh, interventional cardiologist by training. I am uh, extremely interested in uh, minimally invasive, especially transcatheter uh, therapy options for uh, various uh, valvular heart disease including aortic, mitral, and tricuspid. And uh, it's been a very exciting uh, couple decades for transcatheter valve therapy, starting with uh, the aortic valve replacement, that is right now the mainstream for treatment of aortic stenosis. And now we start generating the data that is needed to uh, have transcatheter mitral valve replacement as an option for patients with uh, severe mitral regurgitation. The intrepid early feasibility study, intermediate term outcomes. Uh, what, why was the study conducted and where was this data presented? So the, uh, the, the, the intrepid valve is a, a really um, novel technology. It's a, it's a, it's a two-stent uh, design. Uh, the outer stent conformed to the anatomy and uh, the inner stent is that houses the valve. And uh, we started doing this procedure uh, via the transapical axis, a small incision on the left side of the chest. You know, that transapical axis has you know, many complications related to the size of the, uh, the sheath that the valve goes through, as well as the apex uh, was uh, really causing a lot of bleeding and arrhythmias, pain and discomfort to the patient. So the intrepid uh, early feasibility study looked at the concept of delivering the exact same valve uh, via the transfemoral access. So they developed, uh, Medtronic has developed a, a sheath and a transfemoral delivery system that goes via the femoral vein, via the intraatrial septum, and then place that valve in the mitral endless. And the exact same valve, the exact same position that you uh, deliver it via the transapical access, now you're able to deliver it via the transfemoral access. You know, the study was uh, presented the 30-day outcome uh, last year in, uh, in the TCT, and the, uh, the, the findings were extremely encouraging as an early feasibility study, showing that we had zero mortality, zero stroke. You know, most of those patients went home in about five days and did very, very well. You know, very, very few patients required to go to cardiac rehabilitation or, a, or in a nursing facility. The majority of the vast majority of their patients, almost 90%, went home to their original home living, to, the, to, the, to their dining table, to their meal, to their plates, to their forks, no change in their lifestyle. And what we have noticed is they have actually have done better. Their quality of life has improved, then their heart failure symptoms has improved, and they've done better. What we presented in TCT this year is the one-year outcome for those patients who crossed the one-year mark in their follow-up. And what we've actually seen is the, the improvement that we've seen early on has actually sustained to one year. 
the valve hemodynamics were excellent. Most patients had no or very mild mitral regurgitation. No patient had any perivagal regurgitation. And they continue to enjoy great quality of life and free from heart failure, from significant heart failure symptoms. The hospitalization rate was low. The mortality remained at zero. And so was stroke. So it's a very encouraging result for an early feasibility study, yet small number of patients, but at least it gives some hope that the technology of replacing the mitral valve may be catching up a little bit uh, uh, to the uh, uh, rest of the, uh, the therapies that is available for severe mitral regurgitation. Was there anything that surprised you particularly about this data? Yeah, so... You know, we, we did not know what the data is going to show. We said, okay, you know, maybe maybe uh, the 30 days outcome was good. It's a transfemoral system, and this is what we expect. And but it was a very small number of patients. It was only 15 15 patients is what we presented uh, last year. This year we presented 30 patients. So uh, you know, the number of patients increasing. Yet it's so small, but it's steadily increasing, and we're able to maintain you know the good outcome. Where we've also what we've also noticed is, you know, the procedure time is about 45 minutes. And between the time that we enter the sheath in the body and the time that we take, uh, we take it out. So despite the fact that we're early on in the experience, most, uh, most centers of excellence in the country were able to deliver those valves in a relatively short period of time. So the learning curve, as well as the ability to make the procedure generalizable, has been impressive. What we have also, uh, what also surprised us is we were able to maintain, despite early experience, we were able to maintain a very good outcome at 30 days. And unlike, for example, the transapical access, where obviously the valve is the same valve, so the, the patient's valve are doing okay, but the improvement in quality of life and heart failure happened very quickly in the transfemoral access. The patients were feeling better already at their uh, one-month follow-up, as opposed to the transapical access where, or surgery where they're still having pain, recovery, and, uh, and uh, uh, at the, the one-month follow-up. Mm-hmm. And so those probably was the, uh, the most surprising findings of the study. How do you think this data will evolve in the future? How will it affect uh, this type of procedure going forward? Yeah, so this is really, really good question because, as you know, uh, in the same conference, there is another device uh, for edge-to-edge uh, was uh, FDA-approved. The Pascal device uh, got FDA-approved. So now we have two devices for percutaneous repair of the mitral valve. However, there's still significant number of patients that are not suitable for repair due to their anatomy, or they're anticipated not to get good repair with those devices. So the mitral valve replacement right now is surfacing as, a, as an option for those patients. And now with the transfemoral system, and if this encouraging results continue to be uh, as a larger population and a longer follow-up, then we might be talking about an additional option to treat complex uh, mitral valve disease. What happened, uh, what happened last year is that valve, the intrepid valve, has entered into the pivotal trial via the transfemoral system. So now it's available for a larger patient, yet still in clinical trial, but it's available to a larger patient population in a lot more centers, as well as there are a lot more procedures that are being done 
that what was presented in the early feasibility study. How about patients who aren't necessarily experiencing problems with the traditional valve that they have in place, but because of the nature of those valves, it is anticipated that they will experience problems. What about replacing those valves with Intrepid, even though there are no complications at that point? That is a very good question. And I think as we gain confidence in the technology, as the technology gets safer and safer, the next question comes is when is the ultimate time to treat those patients? Right now, in the clinical trial, we are limiting this therapy to patients who are high surgical risk, which means that they're anticipated by their SDS score or by the heart team assessment that they're going to have uh, prolonged or, or complex uh, post-op recovery. And, and they have to be symptomatic with moderate to severe or severe mitral regurgitation. Those are the patients that have been enrolled in the, in the clinical trials right now. Okay. However, you know, as we gain confidence with those therapy and they get better, you know, the question, can you start putting those valves earlier and earlier in the disease process before the patients come symptomatic or before the permanent damage you know, starts? And I think that with transcatheter therapy, we are still, uh, we're, we're, we're still behind. We haven't got there. With some of the younger patients who are asymptomatic or expected to have good valve repair, yes, we might be offering them uh, early surgery uh, for repairing their valve. But until we know more about the longevity of the valve, especially for the younger patients who are not very symptomatic yet, uh, the recommendation is still uh, to wait and see. Unless they start having heart failure or they're uh, showing signs of damage to their hearts, from the mitral regurgitation. Well, Dr. Zahar, it's been a pleasure speaking with you this morning. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, I hope we meet again uh, uh, soon to talk about more data and hopefully more positive outcomes Absolutely. of the Intrepid Valve. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more, visit the Apollo Intrepid Transcatheter Mitral Valve Regurgitation Clinic trial at Medtronic.com under the Healthcare Professionals tab. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Firis Zar. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio. 